Hello and welcome to What the Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Before we start this episode, I must tell you guys, I totally forgot to plug my mic in. Such a rookie move. So I apologize for the audio. Well, my part of the audio. Mariana's audio sounds totally fine, but my part just sounds like nasally and stuffy. um, All because my mic wasn't plugged in. But nonetheless, this is an amazing episode and I know you guys are going to love it. Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. Today we have Mariana coming on the podcast to share her birth story. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay. Um, So I'm originally from Canada and I moved to the South in college um, to play softball here. And then um, I decided I wanted to be a nurse. So then I totally quit softball and really focused on nursing because it was really hard to be a college athlete and do um, nursing at the same time. And then I met my husband our senior year of college. We were serving at church um, and we were on the same team. And then he invited me to his Bible study. And then a few few years later, we got married. That's awesome. And um, what kind of nurse are you? I'm a labor and delivery nurse. Um, Only been a labor and delivery nurse for almost a year now. Um, But I've been a nurse for five and a half years. I did like the adult world before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can obviously relate as a labor and delivery nurse, just also having a baby. Um, it's very interesting and very odd. So I'm sure that will tie into your story quite a bit. For sure. Um, so tell me about finding out you're pregnant. Okay. So I was diagnosed with PCOS shortly I got after I got married. And that was like super devastating for me because the way the doctor presented it to me was like, she's like, okay, you have PCOS. Um, but when you're trying to get pregnant, you know, just come back to me and I'll give you some fertility medicine. And I was like, she just dropped the bomb on me and kind of left it to me. And then I had to like, go back to like nursing and be like, what is PCOS again? Like, what does all that involve? Um, and then I asked her, I was like, you know, can I try on my own with my husband for a little bit? She's like, you can try, but, um, you know, good luck kind of thing. Yeah. So I was like, oh man. So she did recommend me trying like ovulation predictor tests which I did try. And my husband and I started trying at the end of last year. So, you know, every time someone's like, oh, we want to have a kid by 2021, you only have like a few months to actually have your kid in that year. Right. So we started trying at the end of December. um, And then I was doing the ovulation predictor kits. And I didn't know this either with PCOS, you can have um, false positives. um, So it can look like you're always ovulating. So I was just all over the place. Like my poor husband, I was like, okay, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And he was like, I'm sure he didn't mind. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, you know, he, it can be a lot though. It can be stressful. Right. For sure. Um, And so I got kind of got to a point where I was kind of feeling a little bit defeated. And I look back now and I was like, I didn't even give it that much time, but I was just stressing. So then I reached out to my OB and I was like, Hey, you know, after doing the ovulation predictor test, um, I think maybe I want to try the medicine. So they're going to put me on like metformin and um, letrozole. So she said, um, before I give you this medicine, you have to take a pregnancy test. Um, and it has to be negative before I give you this medicine. And I remember one day at work, I was just peeing so much. And I was like, why am I peeing so much? Like just so much more than usual. And then I went home that night 
in the middle of the night, still peeing. I was like, I'm going to take a pregnancy test. So I took one and it was positive. And I just couldn't believe it because I'm like, oh my gosh, this happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to be. And I'm so grateful. But I feel like my husband and I were just kind of shooting in the dark, honestly. Yeah. I can't even pinpoint like a day because I don't even, when I looked at the days that I did our ovulation um, tests, it didn't even line up with the possible dates that we like did baby dancing. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I totally understand when you say like, you know, it was kind of stressful for the both of you, because I feel like whenever it becomes like, you know, and when you try intentionally to get pregnant and have to have any type of like complication with it or any type of struggle, it almost turns that into like a chore, I feel like. For um, sure. So that's where it can kind of just get stressful. Cause it's like, no longer is sex, you know, something that you guys are enjoying and doing together. It's like, okay, we got to do it for the, like, it's just, I know the intention I feel like maybe is a little bit different. So it definitely right. can be hard and stressful. Yeah. And I felt bad for my husband because, you know, he was just kind of like, man, we've never had this much sex before. Like, yeah, you know? And so I was like, okay, you know what, if I go on that medicine, then at least we have like a week window that we just, you know, it's less stressful. I was trying to take the pressure off, but right. it ended up working out anyways, which I was super grateful for. Yeah. That's amazing um, that you thought you were going to have to, you know, have this help. And then in the end you didn't, um, right. I think that that kind of like even helps like with, you know, confidence because had you had a negative test and gone with those drugs and then gotten pregnant, that would have been fine. And that would have been great. But now you know that your body actually is able to do it on your own, which is even more amazing. Right. The only downside was, um, so I called my OB, had my appointment right away and they're trying to line up like my last menstrual period with how many weeks I was. So they sent me in for my ultrasound and the ultrasound just went horrible. Um, I don't know if it was someone that was in training, um, but basically when she was measuring everything, it was like super quiet. And then she like calls her um, person that's training her. She's like, Andrea. And then they come and they stop the test. And then they're like, well, we don't see a fetal pole. Um, we don't see a heartbeat. Um, so, you know, your OB will talk to you. So then the doctor comes in and it was a very doom and gloom conversation. Like you just knew that someone was just going to have a really hard conversation with you. And then she's like, Oh, you're a labor and delivery nurse. This has to be so hard for you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, she's like, well, you're either having like a miscarriage or this is a blighted ovum. And then she's like, or you could just be really, really early. So, I mean, the way she presented it to me, like my husband and I thought we were miscarrying or this wasn't a real pregnancy. And she started discussing like, um, you know, next week we could do like another ultrasound. Cause I was only measuring like five and six and I should have been like seven and two or something like that. Um, so she's like, we'll do another ultrasound in six days. And then if we still don't see anything. We'll do a DNC. And she was talking about side attack and everything like that. And, um, I went to work and I told a coworker and she was like, I know someone who was in the exact same situation as you. Um, and she told me to wait two weeks for the ultrasound. And that was the best advice that I got because those were the longest two weeks of my life. Sure. Um, super. And I've never experienced a loss or a miscarriage, but I could definitely, I'm like tearful thinking about it. Like I can definitely empathize because that was like the hardest thing ever. Um, and I remember listening to your story and that was like really hard too, just to hear that. Cause it was kind of during that time yeah. that I was experiencing that. Um, I'm sorry to be tearful. No, you're okay. Um, so anyways, so I waited two weeks and then I was like, I felt like I was a dog about to be neutered going Aww. into the vet. So I was like, I don't want to go in there. I was shaking, but I had kind of accepted like the worst news. 
And then we got, got the ultrasound done and there was a heartbeat and it was like the best day ever. And I felt like I could finally like enjoy and be excited about being pregnant. Cause that kind of all like got robbed from me. I feel like at the beginning, it was really yeah. hard. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Like you said, that two week wait was the best thing you ever did. Um, but I cannot imagine how hard mentally, you know, that is to think like, okay, well, you know, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? Is this going to actually, um, keep on going, you know, and even with, after my miscarriage, even when I got pregnant with my daughter, now Adeline, um, I, they made me schedule my appointment like for eight to nine weeks, but I knew I had ovulated much later. So I knew I told them on the phone, I'm like, I'm only going to be six weeks when I come in, you guys aren't going to be see, see enough. Like, let me push it back. Let me push it back. Like, no, no, we go off your last period. Only not like, and I knew when I ovulated. So they brought me in and the same thing happened to me, even with my second pregnancy, they told me that I was probably miscarrying because based on my last period, I should have been eight weeks and they were only seeing an empty sack. Um, because, but I, but thankfully I knew that I was really only six weeks. So I kind of experienced a little bit of what you did in that like waiting period. And then I had to come back two more weeks later for another ultrasound. Um, and I kept telling them, I promise you guys, my dates are just off. Like, but that, that waiting period is not so hard. It's so hard. And then just having like the PCOS, like that was always like that thing kind of looming over me. And I feel like that, that doctor, like the practice was so big, that doctor didn't even like really look at my chart. And I had even said like, Hey, I have PCOS. Could it be that? And she's like, "Eh, it could be. And, you know, I called my mom and I was crying and bawling my eyes out and thank God for moms, you know, like, she was just like, baby, I really just think you're super early. And she she just really comforted me. And I was like, fine, I'll go with that. Like, maybe I'm super early. Um, And that was it all along. I was super, super grateful. Yeah, that that is just like, everybody out there, I've had many people come to me with kind of these like same scenarios, like, well, my daughter, or my daughter, my doctor recommended like side attack or DNC. And I'm always like, just wait, you just these things, you just don't know the human body is so unpredictable. Even if your last period says that you're, you know, eight weeks, like you just don't know. Um, So I love that, you know, you can attest to to having that exact situation. I think the the thing that started to give me hope is one, it's so weird. I had a dream and I really felt like God was telling me like, you're good, relax. And then I got super nauseous, like the week before. And I was like, happy, like I was miserable, but I was happy. And my husband's like, I think you are pregnant. And I was like, maybe. And so I was, it just kind of confirmed everything after the ultrasound. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure that that just though, I don't know, even like, I'm sure that that almost like scarred you through the rest of your pregnancy. Just oh yeah. Even as it continued, just kind of being a little bit nervous. For sure. Yeah. I remember like, just, I just had a bad taste in my mouth. Every time I went to that practice, mm-hmm. it was so hard for me. And like, I didn't want to see that physician again, which yes. is so bad. Cause you know, it really, it's different when you become the patient, you know, like it's almost like I struggle to advocate for myself. I can advocate better for others, but not myself. And what I took away from that experience was to always like comfort your patient. Like they're still a human being, you know, cause I literally felt like a specimen in that room when I was getting the ultrasound done. And so I really just took away that, like, this is going to make me a better nurse. I'm going to be able to be there for my patients so much better. And then if something kind of looks a little hairy at work, I'm just going to make sure I reassure them. Like, let me just go get a second opinion. Like, you know, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to try to do everything I can to help you and whatnot. But yeah, it, it felt like the, I would never wish that upon anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate. I hate going back into that ultrasound room from my miscarriage. 
Um, mm. And from what I went through when I was pregnant with Adeline, because when I went back for that second ultrasound where I knew my dates were off with her, um, the ultrasound tech said, so you're here to see if you're pregnant. And I said, no, I am pregnant. I'm here to get like my confirmation, another ultrasound and see her heartbeat or the baby's heartbeat. And she said, well, we don't really know if you're pregnant yet because your last ultrasound didn't show a baby. So we're not going to, so we're actually checking to see if you, if you're pregnant. And I was like, no, don't talk to me like that. I am pregnant. You're going to show me my baby's heartbeat now. Like it was just, I said, yeah, like you said, like treated kind of like, you just don't have feelings like, oh, this is just, you know, just being insensitive around the topic. I get that you do this every day. day, You you do ultrasounds every day. You probably have to deliver bad news every day, but I don't experience this every day. So don't act like it's nothing. Yeah. It's like for every pregnancy for that mom, that's something they look forward to and you shouldn't take that away from them. And I really did feel like that was taken away from me. And then of course, like you see so much at work, like everyone says like, oh, at the 12 week mark, like I'm in the clear. And then you work in labor and delivery and it's like, you're never in the clear until that baby is like born and like in your arms, you know? So yeah, it's like that tension. Like I know you loved being pregnant too, but it was like, I just can't wait to hold you. I just need you alive and in my arms. So, you know, being new to labor and delivery, I was just always anxious at work, you know, seeing tons of different situations come in, but I had to like separate that because I was you know, that naturally gives you like secondary trauma. Yes. And you're like, that's, that's not my story. That's not me. And it was like a lot of prayer. And I did the same thing as you. I had a Doppler and I was like constantly checking that heartbeat until I felt fetal movement. And then once I felt fetal movement, I was like, okay, good. Uh, We are all good now. I would do NSTs like once a week in triage, like it's, it is, it's different as labor and delivery nurse, because like you said, you know, you, you don't have that naive aspect. You know, a lot of people think you pass that 12 week mark and you're good, which for, is, that is the most case for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. as labor and delivery nurse, we see the 0.5% of very traumatic late-term losses. And it is very hard not to get that in your head. And um, thankfully I had, my coworkers were pretty great about like shielding me from that. You know, when we had somebody who was very bad situation they'd be like mm-hmm. you know you don't need to know what's going on in there you don't it doesn't matter go away right. go yeah they would never else. give like, me that patient they would be never. like no you're not gonna have that patient you don't have to go in that room they, but they you know you just hear about it. I know yeah, you it's know, just one of those things you just like know and you're like yeah my heart just goes out to yes. um, all those people because I even though I didn't experience the loss I'm like in my mind I feel like I had to like come to peace I like right. if this it. is what it was then I have to accept it you know yes yeah definitely so take me through your pregnancy. Um, I know you, you did mention that you liked being pregnant. So obviously besides that little, um, I think the, the anxiety that you get with the line of work that we do, but how was being pregnant for you? Um, I have to admit the first trimester was super hard. Even up until like 20 weeks, I was like sick every day, like throwing up too. Like in the morning I had to like have crackers or something on my stomach or I was going to be getting sick. And I had aversions to everything. I hated meat. I hated the smell of the refrigerator. I hated the smell of the bathroom. Like I hated the smell of the microwave. It was like anything and everything would set me off. So I hated food and I was scared because I'm like, I love tacos. And I'm like, I'm not sure I will ever love tacos again. Um, So other than that, I feel like the first trimester, yeah, that was super hard. Took lots of, lots of naps. Um, But then once we got to like 20 weeks, I mean, it was smooth sailing. I love being pregnant. I love seeing myself grow. Um, I worked out once I was feeling better. 
I like to run and do like hit workouts with training and stuff. So I was happy to finally get back into that. Um, but yeah, no, I had an excellent pregnancy. It was beautiful. I look back and it's like, you think it's so long and then you're not pregnant anymore. And you're like, I miss it. Aspects of it. You know, I counted down the days at the end, like, oh my gosh. And I thought my baby was going to come early. So when she didn't, I was like, oh my gosh, come on, come on, come on. And then she came and now I'm like, I look back at pictures and I'm like, I feel like that was 10 days total. I was pregnant. Like I miss it. But then in the, in the middle of it, you are like, I'm so done. Well, I remember a week before I was due, like I took like my last bump picture and I'm like, I'm not ready for him to come. I love this. And then three days later, or I think like two days later, I was like contracting at work and you know, false labor. And I put myself in triage and my coworkers saw, they're like, who's that person in triage? And I was like, it's me. I'm sorry. And I was like, I'm over this. I'm ready for him to come out. So it's just funny how it changes at the end. Yes, it does. But I, yeah, pregnancy, it's an amazing thing. It truly is. Whether, even if you have a rough pregnancy and you hate being pregnant, I think every woman misses some aspect of it for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's so weird. I know. I don't know if I'm crazy saying this, but sometimes I don't know if it's like my bowels moving in my tummy, but sometimes it's like phantom, it's like phantom fetal movement. And I'm like, is there another baby? (laughs) That's so funny because after I had her, I was literally laying in the bed like that evening. And I was like, I swear she's still kicking me in the ribs right now. And I kept telling my coworkers who were taking care of me. um, I was like, I'm having phantom like movement. And I've never heard a patient tell me that before. And I had it. And I swear my daughter's like three, a little over three months. And sometimes I'll still be sitting there and I'm like, I swear to God, something just kicked me in the stomach. I'm like, do I need to go take a pregnancy test? Like <laughs> what the hell is going on? So I have funny. that too. That's hilarious. That's so funny that you, I'm glad that. I'm not the only one. No, I, thought like, I, I feel like I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I've never heard somebody else say that. And I've said that since I had her. Maybe it's our bowels or something. I don't know. It has to be. (laughs) I hope so. So going into, you know, your birth as a labor and delivery nurse, did you have like birth preferences? Did you make a birth plan? For sure. So I guess going back to um, the providers I had, I just really wasn't happy (laughs) with the doctors. No, no. I wanted to be a stranger somewhere. I think it's really awesome for people who deliver where they work, but I was like, I want to be a stranger. I just don't want anyone to be watching me while I'm so vulnerable, (laughs) but, um, no, it wasn't, it was just an OB office, um, where I used to live. And then I think once I got more experience with labor and delivery, I saw the midwife approach to labor. I was like, I want a midwife. So I switched, um, providers at like 28 weeks pregnant. And, um, that was the best thing I did because again, I told you, I just didn't have a good feeling every time I went to that doctor's office. So I felt like I got to start fresh and new somewhere else. So I switched providers and, um, got a midwife. Um, so I did that and I would definitely say I had birth ideas and birth preferences. Cause you just see so much labor and delivery. My husband and I would always talk about the possible scenarios of like how I would go into labor and none of them panned out to be how we thought it would be. I was just grateful I wasn't at work. That was my biggest fear. After a 12-hour shift, like as exhausted oh. as you are, I did not want to be going into labor. So I told myself I actually wanted to go natural. I had like a whole bag set up. Um, I remember reaching out to you about Pro Doula, and I did the doula course and everything like that. Um, so I thought I like prepared myself, but it's a lot different you prepping yourself. I mean, you're a doula, so you know how it is. 
you coaching yourself or someone encouraging I had a doula. So different. And a labor and delivery nurse because you can't do it yourself. Yeah, no, you can't. And I don't know what I was thinking. Um, But I wanted to go natural, but then there was that side of me, exactly what you said in your birth story. If I get to a point where like, I just can't do this anymore, then I'm fine with getting an epidural. Like I wasn't opposed to it at all. And I was like, I can do hard things. I was a college athlete. Like it's just all mental. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at home when my water broke and I didn't know it. I was having a great nap and I woke up and felt a trickle. And so I just went to the bathroom and it was just like a little bit of pink. And I was like, oh, this is just the beginning of a long road ahead, I'm sure. And then 15 minutes later, it's like, bam, like, I was like, oh, this isn't Braxton Hicks. Cause I felt Braxton Hicks throughout my whole pregnancy. I was like, this is like real contractions, like within 15 minutes. And they were like four to five minutes apart. And my idea was I wanted to stay home as long as possible because I didn't want to get to the hospital. You know, you just feel a lot more comfortable in your own space at home. So I started with everything I had on my list of what I wanted to do. I got in the shower. I got on all fours. I was on the ball. I got in the bath. I had my essential oils going. I had a massager. I was doing all the things at home. So that was at like 7 p.m. when that happened. And then it was like 1.30 in the morning and the contractions were like closer and closer together. And I said to my husband, I said, we have to go. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to like wake him up. I'm like, I know you just went to sleep, but we have to go now. And um, it's funny because when he was grabbing all of our bags, he went to pick up like my bag that had all the natural like alternatives. I had a TENS unit. I never got to it. (laughs) He went to pick it up and I was like, leave that right there. I'm getting the epidural. (laughs) And he was like, okay let's just get to the hospital. So I got to the hospital. They put me on the monitor. I was contracting a ton, like two to three minutes apart. And I was scared because, you know, sometimes when you leave your house, those contractions stall. So when we were on the road, I just kept on looking at the clock and I was like, I better keep contracting. Even though this is painful, I better keep contracting because I didn't want to be turned around. Um, And then we got there and they asked me, and it's crazy. Like, I feel like you're either on two ends as a labor and delivery nurse. You're either really chill and like, oh, it's probably nothing or you're like, oh, this is definitely it. Like, this is probably what's happening. I was more on the side of like, that wasn't my water breaking. Like I was sure. And then I got there and they confirmed that it was my water breaking. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, when I was going natural, I was like, you know, maybe I'll have that cushion of my water not breaking. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I could go longer, but girl, it was like 12 hours without an epidural. We got to triage. I was one centimeter and 90% effaced. My husband looked at me and he's like, we came and you're only one centimeter. And I was like, that's not what you should be saying right now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, not what you should be saying right now. I was like, I promise you, like, this is really painful. And I was up and walking and on the ball and um, they admitted me, which I was so grateful for. Cause I was like, if they didn't admit me, like this would be torture if I went home. Cause it was so painful. And I tried the state all I definitely did not like it. It did not help with the pain. It's exactly what I tell I my never patients. Like to give it. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, let me just try it. You know, maybe it'll make me feel better. Did not. And then, um, I was finally able, my contractions were spacing out, which I was happy about because I was finally able to fall asleep a little bit. And the midwife walks in she's like, Hey, so now you're not an active labor because your contractions and she's like and then your water's been broken for 12 hours now so we're gonna start you on pitocin I definitely 
but that wasn't a part of my birth plan. I was like, no, surely I'll contract not frequently enough, I guess. Um, so she put me on Pitocin and that was like your contractions on steroids. Like, I'm sure it was people say that. And I've always, you know, I've never experienced like felt that, but people say Pitocin contractions. And I tell this to my patients also, it's just different. Yes. Like I could handle my contractions, like, but once they put me on that, I was like, I hate you. Why did you do that to me? And I wanted to refuse. And she's like, your water, she's like, if your water wasn't broken, you know, we could give you more time, but she's like, your water's been broken for like 12 hours. So at that point I was like, well, I guess I got to do this. So my whole life, everything kind of went out the window. Um, and then I got my epidural shortly after that. And it's so terrible. Like I sat there in pain because it was shift change when they started the Pitocin and my husband's like, just press the call bell. And I was like, no, it's shift change. They're getting ready for the next shift is coming on. They're probably going to come in here. And I also have learned if you ever say you're going to come back in a patient's room, come back in a patient's room, because they did not come back in my room for like an hour. And I was like writhing in pain. And then when I saw my nurse, I was like, you're my saving grace. And she was like, why didn't you press the call bell? I was like, I know it was just shift change. I didn't want to bother you. And she's like, girl, you better press that call bell. So Press the call bell when you're a patient. That is okay. That's what it's there for. I was weird about pressing it too. It's something about being a nurse. It's just like, I know they're probably busy. Surely I can wait. And by the time I got that epidural, there was an emergency C-section happening. So I had to wait a lot longer. Like I knew the bolus was going to take time. So that was an hour. And it was probably like an additional 45 minutes. But then I was still saying, I know they're more important than me. It's fine. It's fine. Just, just come when you can. Can you guys cut off the Pitocin for a little bit? Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, can we like not up it or can we pause it? Cause that would be really nice, but, um, did not happen. Uh, but I got the epidural and that was definitely what I needed because I feel like, you know, some people I was nervous too. Cause I was like, okay, I'm only one centimeter and I'm already getting an epidural. Like, am I going to be in labor until tomorrow? Like I'm terrified. Um, but I think my body, I was the type of person that once I relaxed, mm-hmm. it went quickly. I was like, by the time they put the epidural in, she checked me, I was three centimeters. Then she checked me again, two hours later. Um, then I was eight centimeters. And then two hours after that, I was complete. So like by 1 PM, um, I had him and I was like, okay, since I can't be doing natural, can someone just get me a peanut ball? Like put me on that peanut ball and let me reposition. And I think that was the greatest thing. And of course I like was looking at the monitor the whole time. (laughs) It's so bad. Don't do that. I was holding my own, my coworker was struggling to get her heartbeat um, while I was pushing. So in between pushes, I was like, just give it to me. And I just (laughs) took it and I held it on my own stomach and traced my own child. That's so funny. Yeah. I saw at one point, cause I w- couldn't see the monitor cause I was flipped on the peanut ball yeah. and she was standing, staring at the monitor for a while and she wasn't saying anything. And I said, Meredith, what's going on? She's like, I'm just looking, you know, I just want to make sure everything's okay. And then I was able to like turn my head around and I could see that I lost some, he lost some variability and I was like, oh gosh. And in my mind, you know, I didn't want to overstep my boundary, but I wanted to be like, maybe we should cut the pit down. Like, let's not continue with it. Maybe he's in a little bit of distress. Um, but then when they checked me, I had meconium at oh. that point. So that kind of made sense. Um, and then they tried to like 
have me in high fowlers to like labor down. But I was just looking at that strip. I tried to do everything. I tried to reposition, tried to have something sweet. Yeah. He was just sleeping. I don't know if he was just sleeping, to be honest with you. Um, but it kind of made sense when he was delivered um, because he had the cord wrapped around his neck and his body. Okay. So I was like, maybe that in a combination with the meconium. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's probably, you know, what it was. But I was so grateful because when she told me I was complete, I was like, there's no way. Like, I thought I was going to be in labor forever. And then I pushed for like 20 minutes and he was here. And I was like, thank God that's over. <laughs> what was that moment like when he was born? You know, I think I was just so exhausted that it all just kind of became a blur to me. Like mm -hmm. I saw him and I looked at him and my husband's Asian. So I knew we we're going to have a half Asian child and I'm Hispanic. And I was like, he doesn't really look Asian. And then I remember seeing his lips. I'm like, he has my lips. So, I mean, it was, it was, you know, I feel like the exhaustion kind of hit me yeah. and just everything with the labor and the birth, you're processing so much, but I was definitely like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's finally here. Yes. Yeah. It was, After I think especially like you've mentioned even earlier, you were like, you know, being pregnant is great, but as a labor and delivery nurse, especially you don't feel safe or even anybody who's experienced, I think any type of loss, a lot of people say, like, oh no, when they're out, you stress even more. And that was the opposite for me because I'm a control freak. So when I'm pregnant, I can't control anything in my womb, right. but once the baby's out, I can control everything. So exactly. it, that moment's just like, when you finally hold them, you're like, okay, yes. Like I mean, yes. it. like, it's, it's just surreal. For sure. I remember like being like, can I touch his head? Like, I know I'm that weird person. Uh, I did that I, like, too. If I could have like somehow scooped him and delivered him myself and pulled him out, I totally would have done that. But like, yeah. I was like, I can't even feel anything when I'm pushing right now. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. And, um, but yeah, I remember when he got on my tummy, I was like stimulating him. Like, I just like, I just want to hear you cry. You know, they're pinkish, bluish, purplish color. And I'm like, I just need to hear you cry. And then once I heard him cry, I was like, Ooh, we are good. Yeah, We are good. That's yeah. It was funny. this really special moment. I totally, I touched her head. I reached down when her, most of her body came out and I could reach her. I pulled her up. I was trying to stimulate her too, cause she wasn't crying right at first. And I was like, okay, come on. Mm -hmm. Like stimulating her, rubbing her with the towel. It's so funny how you like nurse yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it's really That's funny. That's why I've heard a lot of people say nurses make the worst patients. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, for sure. You know, sometimes I'm like, should I tell them the nurse? I don't really want to be that person that tells them. Yeah. But then like, you kind of know a lot. So it was really hard for me just to like, listen to them, educate me. I did learn new things that, right. you know, you don't know everything either, you know, so I just had to be quiet and just shake my head and just take things that I didn't know before. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll add that to my practice and share that with people. Um, but after, I guess the scariest part for me was I could hear all the medicines that they were trying to give me and they tried to, they gave me TXA, they gave me methogene and I'm like, am I hemorrhaging right now? Were, you they were, were right. I, I guess I was. So, um, I had asked my nurse after and I was, cause they said my blood loss was only like three forty or something like that. And I was like, why did I get all that? And she was like, you were bleeding really bad. So we wanted to prevent the hemorrhage. Um, and then shortly after they recovered me, my husband, I sent him out to go get me food and he was gone. And then all of a sudden I was seeing black spots and I couldn't see, and I was like terrified. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I called my nurse the best I could from seeing her number. And I was like, something's wrong with me. And as a nurse, like, you're like, at that point, I was like, there's something wrong with me. 
And she came back in. She's like, what's going on? I was like, I just see black spots. Like someone has to take them. Then I was vomiting and whatnot. They checked my blood pressure. It was fine. They said my bleeding was fine. And I think we just chalked it up to um, either side effects from those medicines, extreme exhaustion, and probably my blood sugar was probably low because after I ate those like black spots went away. But like, I think at that point I was like, oh my gosh, my husband's gone. I'm probably hemorrhaging. I'm going to die before he gets back. You know, just everything, you know, you think of the worst case scenario. Um, But I think I was just going back to like, they gave me methergine. They gave me TXA. Am I hemorrhaging right now? She's like, you are fine. You are fine. And she was an amazing nurse. I had an amazing experience with them. But um, yeah, it felt traumatic in that moment because I was absolutely terrified. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I think I would think the exact same thing. Um, But that's good that, you know, all those things weren't. And yes, it probably was, like you said, a combination of exhaustion, low blood sugar um, and medications, having a baby. I mean, it's insane the toll that that takes on your body. I tell all my patients like labor is a marathon. It's the hardest workout you're ever going to do. Even if you get an epidural and you nap for most of your labor, like pushing is still such a workout. I mean, I felt like my body got hit by a truck after. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, I, I just kept on asking like, are you sure I'm okay? Like, are you sure? Like kind of like the trust of like, do I look fine? Is the bleeding? Okay. Um, but then yeah, everything ended up being fine, which I'm super grateful for. So how was your postpartum experience? How was kind of healing and everything like that? Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, if maybe I pushed too hard, Um, but I feel like I was like super swollen after super painful. I literally felt like the insides were going to fall out of me. Um, but I just stayed on top of like ibuprofen, Tylenol and ice and everything like that. And, um, I'm one of those people that can't sit still. Like I always have to be doing something. So like, as soon as I was able to walk after, after the epidural wore off, I was like up and walking and, I think at one point I was like doing laps in the hallway and they're like, you need to go sit down. <laughs> I'm like, I know, but I just want to walk around because I've been in laying that bed for like as long as I was. Right. Um, but I had a great postpartum recovery. I think it was just from processing, like the labor didn't go like I thought it was going to go accepting that and then trying to like, you know, adjust to like being a mom and this crying baby and everything like that. Um, that was definitely on my mind a lot. And then another thing with PCOS is you can have um, low milk supply or you can have an oversupply. Um, So I did notice that I was uh, having like some colostrum throughout my pregnancy. I was like, oh, I'll probably be that person. That'll be fine um, with breastfeeding. But then I don't know, something happened like at like two weeks. um, Well, we discovered he had a tongue tie, but um, I just, I didn't have enough for him. So I was super grateful that I've had like I feel like all my friends had babies and a lot of them are oversuppliers. So they donated to me, which I'm super grateful for. Um, so I feel like that postpartum was really emotional for me because there's just something special about breastfeeding. And I know it's, you know, thank God for modern medicine and that, you know, formula is an option, but I so badly wanted to do that. And I still am able to do it. I can give them some of my breast milk, but I still have to like receive some but a combination of that and then his tongue tie and then I discovered he had colic and then we found out that it was a milk protein allergy. So I've had to adjust my diet and you know how that goes. So um, it was a lot. I felt like at once it was really, really tough, but you know, I really just try to go back and you probably can empathize. Like 
that moment when I thought that I was miscarrying or that I thought this wasn't real. Like I really just try to be grateful and just be like, this is what I dreamed of. Like, this is what I prayed for. This is everything that I wanted. So you got to take the good with, or the bad with the good, the good with the bad. Yeah. And me and Mariana have talked like, I don't even know. I think we just originally connected through my Instagram page. Um, but we have messaged back and forth probably every day for weeks, just about like little things, because we both, like you said, I can definitely empathize with that. We've both had, um, you know, the babies who don't nap, the babies who don't sleep, the babies who maybe are a little bit colicky, the milk protein intolerance. Um, we've been dealt a good amount of the same, same cards. So we have messaged back and forth tons, yes. um, talking about this, but I remember in you know, like I said, Adeline is a little over three months old and the past few days she's been doing great. So I'm praying to God that she's turning a corner. Like her reflux is almost completely resolved out of nowhere. So she's sleeping so much better. But I remember when she was, the first six weeks were the worst. And I think it's just because it's a learning curve too. For sure. I just remember feeling like the world was coming down on me. Like you said, it was so much at once, you know, milk protein intolerance, reflux, not sleeping, colic, crying, fussing, dealing with milk supply issues, like having to change my diet. So now I'm hungry as heck because I'm breastfeeding, but I can't eat anything. Right. Um, and you spend so much time on Facebook and Google and researching what worked for this baby and this baby and what helped this one's reflux. And I made a whole protocol. Like it can be, I just, I empathize with any and every mom out there because to some extent, I think, you know, those first 10 weeks can be so hard and you can really feel like you're going crazy. Um, for sure. And so, yeah, I totally. And I think like, well, people have like just the best intentions when they try to like give you recommendations and it's just kind of like, do you not think I've tried that, you know? And it's like, you receive it. You're like, I will try that. And, you know, my sister-in-law tried to um, give me like some sleep training tips and, you know, I would try to do everything. And then I was a part of some sleep um, groups on Facebook and they're like, sometimes you just didn't win the sleep lottery for your baby. Yep, like, I accepted that. <laughs> me too. I'm like, I'm a great sleeper. And my mom will tell me, she's like, oh, you were an amazing sleeper. And so I'm like, I'm one. Yes, exactly. It's just, it's just a baby thing. Like transition, transitioning to the outside yeah. world. And I've realized like, you know, you learn your baby, like for a while, I didn't know that his cry and his fussing was because he had to burp. Like he just takes a really long time to get that burp up and it could take like 20 minutes. And then once he gets that, he's ready to sleep. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel like there's a huge learning curve those first few months, but they feel like the longest. And I know like when we look back on this time, like this is why people have more kids because if they were to have more kids right after the 10 weeks, they'd be like, there's no way. Um, but we'll look back on this and be like, oh, that was such a short time period. And you just see how fast they grow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it can be very hard and it can be very lonely and that's why, like, I had reached out to you because you were sharing, like, you were very authentic about, like, the struggle. I didn't know it. I remember my neighbor, she told me, like, you know, I feel like we all, like, in the nine months, we all prepare for our labor, but we don't prepare for our postpartum. And I didn't know what she meant by that because I was still pregnant. And then once it <laughs> once it was postpartum for me, I was like, I totally understand. I don't know how you prepare for it better. To I be know. honest with you. And I agree with that statement. Like we spend so much time making these birth plans and educating ourselves around birth and nobody thinks about postpartum. And, and then it's the same thing, I think, but how, you know, would be better. And I think the best things you can do is just try to ease things, like things that you know, you're going to be responsible for, try to take all those off. So I always tell my clients, like subscribe to a meal service, hire a cleaner, like little things like that. So that way you for can sure. just focus on baby. But, um, 
yeah, it can, it can definitely be rough, but we all forget about it. That's the amazing, beautiful thing about it. Same with, you know, labor and birth, which is hard and can be very traumatic and painful. Um, God gave us the gift of, you know, letting us forget about those things. So that we continue to populate the earth. (laughs) It's crazy. I tell my mom all the time. I'm like, I know this is so weird, but like, I actually miss my labor experience. And like the nurses that cared for me, I was like, it's so crazy. Cause in the moment I was like, I want this to be over with, but I honestly feel like when I look back, I was like, I think I'd rather go through labor again than to have to struggle with like postpartum anxiety and a baby screaming for hours a day and the sleep deprivation. Like, I feel like I was so terrified of labor that I was like, oh, that's actually the easiest part of this whole thing is getting the baby out. It's like the next 18 years of your life Mm -hmm. that, you know, are, you're going to have your struggles. And I know there's tons of beautiful moments and just right now, it just all feels so big, those struggles right now, but now, and you can probably empathize and all moms, like once those babies start smiling and start cooing and babbling and you're like, oh my gosh, like my heart is so full. So now I feel like I can have fun and enjoy. Cause yeah, those first few weeks, it's just, they just cry and they're they not, just cry. They're, they're not alert. Yeah, I agree. I think as they get more alert, it gets better. Cause now it's like, oh, if you're crying, I can kind of calm you down. Cause you like kind of know who I am and think I'm funny maybe, or right. um, it, yeah, it definitely, I always say like, I didn't, I, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Like I didn't like the newborn stage and it kind of feels good to be able to say that because people talk about snuggles and loving it and stuff like that. And like, I've just, you just have to accept a lot of those things. Like my baby is not a great sleeper. That's fine. I didn't really like the newborn stage. That's fine. I think a ton of motherhood is these, like just all this like expectations that are put on us. You know, my daughter, like I said, is over three months old. I still swaddle her. And people are like, after eight weeks, no swaddle. She's 14 ish weeks and that girl still swaddled at night and I don't really care because she's not rolling yet and you know at for a while I like was so hard on myself I'm like I need to get her out of the swaddle I need to get her out of the swaddle well then she wasn't sleeping I was losing my mind and I'm like you know what I'm gonna swaddle her till she's 20 if I want to like listen you do what you have to do to get through it you know I told myself that I wasn't gonna do so many things and like that completely went out the door yeah. <laughs> right out the door as soon as you know he was here and you know, you do try to do everything you do just to be able to comfort them. And then I never knew about purple crying. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of purple crying, but I was like, oh, so I could still do everything that I could possibly think of. And you're still not satisfied. So I feel like that took the pressure off of me as a mom. Like I fed you, I'm trying to burp you, I've changed you. I love you. If I need to like wear you on the carrier all day, then I guess that's what we're going to do. If that's how you're going to get a, a nap, because I didn't understand, like, you know, he could be up sometimes for like six hours. And I'm like, this is not normal. This is not like, you know, they'll close their eyes for maybe like five or 10 minutes. And then it's like, they're missing out on something. Um, so now I'm like, okay, I need to put him in the carrier, put it, let's go in a dark room. But sometimes they're like wide eyed staring at you and you're like, listen, I'm ready for a nap. Yep. I Why aren't you ready for this nap? You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so yeah, you just figure out, I truly get it now. You figure out what works for your family. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I hate as a nurse, like I hate, you know, we tell our patients not to co-sleep. I hate doing it. Um, I'm going to rent the snoo and I'm praying <laughs> that we'll see. Cause he likes, he likes the movement. I will definitely let you know. My mom's like, and I reached out to you about this too. She was like, you probably won't work out as much as you did, um, in your next pregnancy because of how active he is. And I'm like, 
I don't know. I feel like that can't be a correlation. I don't think so. I think it's just, I think it's like just the card we were dealt and it's okay. You know, and I know we talked about this also, we said, um, they're just special babies and they're going to go on to like be the most brilliant genius people ever. Yes. Yes, absolutely. He's ahead of, he's pretty ahead of his milestones as far as like, um, like he was able to lift his head. I'm like, we might not be sleeping, but we are practicing a lot of other skills during this time. At least we're doing all of that. Like I remember his doctor was like, he's lifting his head at like one month. He has the next strength of like a four month old or something like that. I was like, awesome. Yeah, I need to hear something time, good right now. All that now. time awake, he's just practicing <laughs> lifting his head. Exactly, exactly. So what would be kind of like your top piece of advice for a new mom? I know we've probably given like a lot of little bits and pieces, but yeah. what would it be? Um, I have to also mention yep. that I saw a chiropractor throughout my pregnancy. I saw Haley. And that's actually how I found out about you because you had her on your podcast. Okay. And that's how I heard about what the bump and started following you. But I saw a chiropractor. That was amazing because, um, I had no idea while you were pregnant, how soon all your ligaments and joints were just going to get soft and relaxed and be painful. So, um, I feel like my advice would be like, definitely see a chiropractor for those aches and pains, because that definitely helped. Um, and I always looked forward to it because I always felt so much better. Um, as far as a new mom, have a ton of grace with yourself. And it's okay to live in those moments of like that bliss, you know, you can have those moments, but I think motherhood is definitely like very hard. You wonder how like our parents did it. And I like apologize to my mom for ever back talking. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry for ever being a difficult child. Um, But yeah, definitely have a lot of grace with yourself and just enjoy every moment. I mean, even when I thought that I was maybe miscarrying, um, even leading up to that appointment, I just tried to enjoy every day that I thought I was pregnant and in reality I was, but yeah, just enjoy every single moment. And I know it's super cliche to say that, but it really, the time really but does go by true. super fast. Yeah. Even when, you know, they're screaming in your face, I will get so frustrated. And I was just like, sit there and take a couple breaths and be like, okay, like, you know, and I, and I've said this so many times on my Instagram that, you know, right now she's a hundred percent reliant on me and I need to love that and enjoy that because in a few months she's not going to be. And in a few years, she probably won't want anything to do with me. I know. So soak in these times where you are anything and everything that they need. You are their world truly. And it's kind of like a really special thing. I'm sure you have those moments too, where maybe someone else is holding her and then you're able to scoop her up and then like she calms and settles and like, feels good. there's just something so special about that. You know, you hate to do that to someone, but you're like, I was your home. Yeah. I was your home for nine months. And that's and, why they cling to us. And it's and frustrating. To, but. Yes. And I think you, we have to like take the expectations off of babies. Like right. we, you've talked about this before, like society tells you like they should have this many minutes of sleep and they should be doing this. And you're looking at your child and you're like, what's wrong with you? Like I've reached out to the pediatrician and be like, there's something wrong with him, but every baby is different. Every pregnancy is different. Every child is different and that's okay. Right. I totally, I totally agree. And sorry if you, <laughs> can you hear my husband in the background? No. Okay, good. Cause he's like, like babbling to Adeline. I'm like, come on. I, I'm like, I pray that you're not hearing him because it just sounds. Oh no, I don't okay. hear anything. That's very great. good. Well, Mariana, thank you for coming on the podcast and just um, sharing your story. I love hearing it from like another nurse's perspective because I could definitely relate to 
a lot of, and, and I know, like I said, I know we've related on many, many levels for the past nine weeks, um, but it was great to, you know, officially hear your story and kind of meet you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me share. And hopefully we'll be able to like meet in person one day. Yes, please. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.